Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You are being watched. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Person of Interest. These people irrelevant. We don't. Hunted by the authorities. We work in secret. You'll never find us. But victim or perpetrator, if your number's up, we'll find you. Today we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 17, titled Karma. Alright, so... I am ashamed to say that this is one of the episodes of Person of Interest that I, for whatever reason, totally, 100% forgot about you know you have a series of 103 episodes and given that it's network television and most of the seasons had like 20 something episodes a fair amount of them are fillers you don't remember all the fillers that's just how it goes unfortunately for whatever reason this slipped through the cracks of my subconscious and i hate myself I hate myself for forgetting about this episode. I don't know why I forgot about this episode. I, I'm i a bad man. I am the worst human being. Because this episode is incredible. This episode is so freaking spectacular. So amazing. So utterly freaking brilliant. And I love Every single thing about it. It is a goddamn masterpiece. Such a phenomenal hour of television. And I love... I love everything about it. It, It's so... So good. So, we start things out. And we got a new number. A therapist. Working at, like, a victim's advocacy... Nonprofit, basically sitting down with uh, victims of violent confrontations and all of that, uh, who have kind of just been, you know, crippled and scarred physically and emotionally, and just trying to get figure out a way to deal with their uh, grief and their trauma and all that, and try and figure out a way to get them to move on. Uh, In fact, he actually started this work after his own wife died. Uh, After his own wife was murdered, and he had to deal with that, and then by all appearances, he got back on his feet, he powered through it, and he was now able to start helping others. We then find out that All of his patients have had their victims visit, or not their victims, have had their perpetrators visited by this man who basically framed them for violent crimes and sent them to prison. 
This dude is a vigilante. He is a therapist by day who learns about the people who hurt his patients, the perpetrators behind uh, their victim, uh, the victims, the patients, blah, 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 I have the words mixed up in my head, uh, learning about the people who brought those patients to him, who were the source of their grief, who were the source of their trauma, who were the source of what hurt them, and taking them out of society. And I absolutely love the scene where we see this dude in action. Where he, like, takes a gun, put it in, puts it in this one dude's gym bag. Uh, this one dude who is a club owner and uh, who was, like, really, really abusive to this one woman and got her in, like, a big car wreck that, like, caused her to completely use, completely lose the use of her legs and all of that. Uh, put a gun in this guy's gym bag. Went over to the bank. Placed a smoke grenade in a trash bin. Took someone's business card. Went uh, into the service entrance and sort of deactivated cameras. Called... The guy called the perpetrator and pretended to be one of the people at the bank saying, Hey, uh, so we decided to freeze your account because of government blah, 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 blah. Just get him angry enough to go into the bank and start looking fuming mad and then called that person he just impersonated and said, Hey, so your bank's about to be robbed by this one guy. He looks like this, 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 and this. Uh, give him your uh, key. Uh, give him your keys and all your stuff and blah, 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 blah. And just cooperate with him and everything will be fine. And then, like, the guy shows up fuming mad. I'm looking for such and such guy. The guy's like, okay, okay, we'll do what you want. Uh, not, we don't want any trouble. And then smoke grenade goes off and chaos ensues. Cameras go dark and then police show up to arrest him. And he has a gun in his bag, of course, from the gym. And, like, Reese is looking at all this like, okay. So this is happening. This is what we're doing now. Cool. Alright. So, now we gotta figure out, uh, what's happening. Like, is this guy gonna resort to violence? Or is someone, one of his, uh, framing victims gonna come after him? Like, where is the danger coming from? Uh, so we go to this gala that this guy is doing a speech at. Reese is able to get in by tagging along with his therapist. Apparently, like, the NYPD always has, like, a table at this specific gala. Uh, it's like a psychological deal, and she always goes, and blah, 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 and Reese just Asked her to take him with her, essentially. <laughs> and so, we're looking around this gala. 
And the guy who was taken to prison for killing our number's wife shows up randomly. And causes a scene. Apparently this guy got out of prison recently because all he went in for was manslaughter. Because all the evidence was circumstantial. He didn't go for full-blown murder. So, this guy shows up, causes a scene, roughs this dude up a bit, and then when the dude sort of starts walking out of the building, he goes to his car, and the car blows up. The car explodes, there was a bomb in the car. So it's looking a hell of a lot like the guy who killed this dude's wife, Wants to kill him now. And when Reese and Fusco are sort of questioning this dude. When Reese and Fusco are sort of questioning our number. He tells the story of what happened to his wife. And Finch figures out that the story he, to- he told to Reese and Fusco. Was literally the exact same. As what he told to the courts and what he told to the police on the night that he reported it. Verbatim. Word for word. The same story. As if he rehearsed it. And we find out that this dude was not anywhere near... His house at the time that he said he was. He was like all the way across town. So he couldn't have seen what he said he saw. So. This dude lied. He basically. Found the. Suspect he thought was most likely to have killed his wife. And. Rejiggered his story to make sure he went down because he was so sure it was him, but didn't have any form of proof. I mean, maybe the dude murdered her, but we don't know, and that's the problem. So, some fishy's going on here, and after watching this guy a little bit longer, we're able to put two and two together and figure out that he's trying to frame this guy for something. He is trying to set this guy up to go down much, much longer than a manslaughter charge would do. He is trying to stage it so that he'll go down for life, for an actual honest-to-God murder. And we see him... Uh, spoof emails and spoof texts so that it looks like he was on the run. He was looking like he was purchasing an illegal firearm. Uh, put pictures and news clippings in the dude's apartment so it looked like he was following him. Uh, got some gun residue off of a bullet. Like, Removed the gunpowder from a bullet and ignited it so it was just gun residue. And then put that in an envelope to plan on him. 
Uh, there was tape on his tuxedo at the gala. So he got fingerprints from that. So basically he is trying to make it airtight that this dude wanted to kill him. And it's becoming more and more and more and more clear. This guy is the perpetrator. This guy is not the victim. This is a full, full-blown perpetrator. And it becomes a big moral and ethical debate of, A, whether this dude was right to send this guy to prison the first time, and B, whether or not he should be going out of his way for revenge, whether or not he should be going to such depths to destroy someone's life and destroy himself in the process. And what's so brilliant about this dilemma, not only is it very well explored, not only is it very well written, and not only do they do it with so much depth and nuance, but it's also paired with some incredible flashbacks of just after Nathan Ingram's death, when Finch had blamed Alicia Corwin for Nathan's death and set up a plan to kill her. Like, he almost straight up blew up Alicia Corwin's car with her inside it. And we saw him, like, threaten her over the phone. We saw him set up this, like, elaborate plan. We saw the machine desperately trying to stop Finch, saying, No, 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 don't do this. This isn't you. No, no, no. And basically, we saw Finch become a perpetrator. And then at the last minute deciding not to. At the last minute realizing, wait a minute, Alicia didn't have anything to do with Nathan's death. It might have been her fault. She might have uh, caused it to happen, but she had nothing to do with the act itself. She didn't even know it was happening. And she regrets it every bit as much. And she's as much in pain with it as I am. Like, so, while we're having this whole moralistic and ethical debate in the present of... Whether or not this guy should be stopped, whether or not uh, he should get revenge, whether or not what he's doing is right. We're getting to see Finch going down the exact same path in the past. And then we get this amazing, incredible climax at the conservatory. And it's so, so utterly brilliant uh, where our our presumed murderer gets lured in by our number. The number shows up, holds him at gunpoint, forces him to put, like, the gun residue on his hands, and is, like, about to do the frame job. And then Finch shows up and is like, Hey, no, don't do this. Stop it. You are going down a bad path. And we find out, so up until this point, the assumption was that he was going to kill this man. Turns out, no, he is not going for the shorthand revenge. He is going for, like, the long-term revenge. And suddenly everything kicks, clicks into place when he turns the gun on himself. And is, like, about to shoot himself in the chest. And Finch is eventually able to talk this guy down. He's eventually able to say, like, look, 
I went down this path before. It was a mistake. Maybe this guy killed her. We don't know. And maybe we'll never know. But if you do this, you definitely ruin someone's life. Either way, whatever he did or didn't do, if you do this, you will know for sure that you set all this up. That you crossed a line. You will know that you did it. And it will be etched into the world forever. And we find out that this is where, uh, this is happening where uh, he met his wife and where he proposed to his wife. So Finch is like, why would you desecrate such a happy place with this? Like, stop it. Don't do this. It is wrong. It is a mistake. And the entire time, our presumed murderer is going like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And eventually... We are able to talk this guy off the proverbial ledge, and he decides not to go through with his plan. So, he goes back to his life. He didn't really do anything unforgivable, so Reese and Finch just sort of let him go free. Didn't send him to the authorities or anything. Uh, He's just going on his merry way, living his life, and our presumed murderer has gone free. As well. And he's living his life. And maybe it's a murderer on the streets. Maybe it's not. And I especially adore this ending. Where. The machine is like. Okay. Really should look closer at this dude. Because maybe he killed this woman. Maybe he didn't. And it's like doing the flashback thing. Where it's just like. Oh, accessing archive feeds, da 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 going back to whatever year, and then it just cuts, like, right at the end. So we don't get to know. We don't get to know if this man killed the dude's wife or not. But there's always that lingering question. Oh, also, uh, Reese has a bit of a breakthrough with his therapist, uh, where his therapist is trying to get him to talk about, uh, how he deals with grief and all of that, and Reese ends up telling the story of Jessica from way back when, um, and having a big breakthrough there. Man, like the way this, the way this episode explores grief and vengeance and like all of that, it's so, so brilliant. It's so amazing. I love this episode, and I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed that I forgot it existed. I'm a terrible human. I'm the worst. I'm the worst man. I'm a bad... I'm not a real fan. I'm not a real person of interest fan, because I forgot this episode. Damn it. It it, it really is. It's so good. Man, we're, we're creeping up. We're creeping up on the end of this season. We only got one more week's worth of episodes. Five episodes left. And then we are done with the penultimate season of Person of Interest. Buckle up. That last week is going to have some pretty good shit. I'll just say that. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archive so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as we go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468. And support the show, patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. 
If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I will be putting up there once every month. Or, if that's not work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, on Monday, we will be discussing Season 4, Episode 18. Talk to you then.